Good morning, everybody. Michael the Maven here, and today we are going to do a podcast on my YouTube channel. Many of you don't know this. I have a podcast I've been doing for over a year at themavennation.com, and that podcast is mostly about productivity and efficiency, even though we talk about photography stuff. A good friend of mine was like, Michael, why don't you do a podcast on photography, put it on your channel, see what the interest is. And I was like, okay, that sounds like a pretty good idea. So that's what's going on is if you are a YouTube subscriber, we're gonna keep mostly photography stuff on this podcast. If you're interested in the efficiency stuff only, then I'll only publish there. Now, a couple of things I wanna point out before we get into the podcast episode today, which is very interesting, is that I've already talked to some companies about sponsorships. They've come to me and they're interested and, I'm, and I told them, I'm like, I, the 10% and the 15% stuff don't interest me. Give me something free to give to my subscribers who, who are coming to the channel. That's what I want. And to kick it off, I'm going to give you guys a free copy of my audiobook for the efficiency playbook that I published last year. Very proud of that book. It took me 25 years to collect information and stories and put it together. I'm going to give you the audiobook. All you have to do is to go to my website, sign up, download it, put it on your phone, and it's yours to have. It's a $24, $25 value depending on where you get it. I'm gonna be giving it away for the first week after I publish this. My gift to you, just my way of saying, thank you guys for subscribing, thank you guys for supporting me. There is a handful of you who have been out there from the very beginning, so I'm thrilled to be able to do this for you guys. I also wanna let you guys know I do have a contest going on right now for a Sony a7 III. Check that link out, it's very easy and free to enter and I'll pick a winner and give a camera away. Maybe it's you. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about a very cool tool I recently found referred to as the hierarchy of design. It applies not only to cameras and lenses but to pretty much all products and I thought it was very interesting because it gives us a tool where we can start to predict the success of a camera based on some of these characteristics. I think a lot of us do this subconsciously, but this pretty much puts it into a formula in a system that you can repeat over and over again to ask yourself, hey, is this really a new lens I should get or should I really get this camera body? And we're going to apply it to some cameras. It may upset some people, it may not, but the hierarchy of design was derived from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which describes how humans are motivated. It starts off with the physiological, you know, things like food and water, you know, shelter, works its way up to love and eventually self-actualization. We're not gonna be talking about that today, but the hierarchy of design is derived from that and it describes the value of a product as it ascends this ladder. So as you get higher and higher up this ladder, the, the product is more and more valuable. So the five steps to the hierarchy of design are functionality. This means whether or not it actually works when you turn it on, very low level of value. Next is reliability. Can you count on this to work every time? Usability has to do with the ease of use as well as things like ergonomics. Proficiency is very important. It's probably the critical part of this value ladder. Proficiency means what does it do that no other piece of gear can do? At the top of the pyramid, we have something called creativity. And this is how users take the new features and create something that 
hasn't been done before. This is considered the pinnacle of value for products when using this model. So we can take this model and compare it with cameras and lenses. And I wanna walk you through some examples that have been successful cameras in the past and then demonstrate why there are some concerns with some recently released cameras. Take the Canon 5D Mark II. The first three steps, functionality, reliability, usability, checked off all the boxes. Ergonomically, it was a great camera. It always worked. You could rely on it. You could turn on. Yeah, it was, an, you know, there were some little things here and there about it, but for the most part, you could count on it. The proficiency part of the 5D Mark II was that it introduced full frame video at 1080 for DSLR shooters. This was a revolution. This was a groundbreaker because it allowed photographers to be filmmakers. It was in a smaller body, it had better ISO performance, more shallow depths of field. Really amazing for video. And then a guy like Vincent LaFerre comes along and he makes this video called Reverie. Reverie demonstrated the capabilities of a camera to create video that we had never seen before. And a revolution was started with DSLR videos. If you look at the pyramid, everything is checked off. The proficiency is there, the creativity was there. Everything that I'm seeing in terms of this tool is telling me that the EOS R is going to struggle. I'm thrilled that Nikon and Canon have gotten into the full frame mirrorless game, but let's walk through some of the things that we know about the camera based on others' reviews and some of the design. So is it functional? Yes, it appears that there's no problems with functionality, but as soon as we get into reliability, there have been some issues that people have talked about. Tony Northrup talked about one of his cards failing. Maybe that wasn't the camera's fault, maybe it was the card fault, but many reviewers are talking about the inability of it to focus accurately when using eye detection. It shoots at three frames per second, so it's a no-go for sports shooters right off the bat. Um, Sally Watson, I saw on her Instagram channel, she tried to use it at a wedding. She said it wasn't fast enough. So right off the bat, there are some concerns about how reliable this is in shooting situations. When we look at the ergonomics at the EOS R, some very important controls have been removed when comparing it to something like the 5D Mark IV. There was a joystick and a large uh, rotating control wheel on the back, and it appears that the control wheel has been moved to the lenses for the native mount, R mount lenses, which gives me pause because that was a great control and you had it on all the 5D cameras and many of the higher end Canon cameras, it makes it easier to use. The joystick made it easier to use and it's been replaced now with a touchpad slidey thing at the top right where your thumb would rest. Okay, so ergonomically for me, this camera is, it appears to be harder to use than the 5Ds, you know, the 5D4 and 3. Why would you take away the joystick that's been proven or the control wheel? And in reading some of the comments of people who attended that press event, it sounds like Canon is introducing some of these features like moving the control ring to the front to make it a little bit harder for third-party lenses to work on this mount. This is just one man's opinion based on what I'm reading. And if Canon is making it harder for third-party lenses to work on this, what this means is Canon's going to be controlling the native mount, at least in the beginning, and those lenses are expensive, okay? So price also comes into this. When we get up to proficiency, this is where the big problems start to happen with the EOS R. 
What can this camera do that cannot be done by any other camera? That's what I'm asked, asking. Same thing for lenses. What can this lens do that no other lens can do? Anything that you purchase in your gear, you should be asking yourself about the capacity you are gaining by spending this money. And for as much as I researched about the EOS R, the only things that I can kind of put together is that it has a flippy monitor with Canon's color science. The crop is like a 1.7, 1.8. That's really kind of sounding like, almost like a GH5. It has a 2X crop factor. For me, that's not enough to invest into a system, you know, in lenses and all these things to get that, that kind of video in terms of that aspect ratio with the crop. It's just not worth it. Maybe I'm missing something. What can the EOS R do that cannot be done with another camera? There's not a lot there. Now, something that's very interesting that camera companies are doing is they're trying to mimic the top part of the pyramid, creativity. And I was talking with somebody about this a couple weeks ago. They bring in some pros, very talented, very well respected in the industry, who create a video or some pictures or something, you know, Canon Explorers of Light, and they are amazing. It's really impressive work, but the problem is it falls short in that those same professionals could do that with other gear. In order to get that top part of the pyramid, show us something that hasn't been done before. Don't show us a technique that you can do on any camera. That is the difference in the very tippity top. So let's talk about how the hierarchy of design applies to something like the Fuji X-T3. The critical question you should be asking yourself when applying this is, what does this give me that cannot be done with another piece of equipment. Right off the bat, we have a 26 megapixel X-Trans sensor, the first of its kind. Fuji has outstanding focusing systems for mirrorless cameras. When I did the test with the X-T2 against the Nikon D500, they were side by side. I'll have some tests posted to the channel shortly so we get some exact numbers. 4K, 60 frames per second. Yeah, there are some other cameras that can do it, but not for $1,500 on this size sensor. It's a very important distinction. We have 10-bit 422 out. And so what I'm saying is bang for the buck. What you are getting for the price is checking off all the boxes. Now, in terms of the very tippity top, the creativity, we haven't seen a whole lot of things that can only be done with this kind of camera. So maybe it won't be the, the huge home run that the 5D Mark II was, but I think for the price, and everything else that you're getting, all indicators say this is going to be a very high selling camera and only time will tell. So that is the hierarchy of design. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's a great tool to use if you need to upgrade, if you're thinking about it. Don't get gear acquisition syndrome. Really ask yourself, is this thing easy to use? Can I afford it? And what is it giving me that I cannot do with anything else? Thank you guys so much for watching this episode of The Maven Nation. Again, make sure you download your free copy of the Efficiency Playbook. I'll put that link in the description. Got the contest for the A7 III. Thank you guys for watching and I'll see you next time.